Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you check out the daily articles over at ATS.io, my landing page with the links to the pick previews, and then also on that landing page, my thoughts on the other games on the board that I didn't have a play on, got some leans, some other information for you to check out. So hit that up over at ATS.io. Got three plays for tonight for you to look at. Then also thoughts on just about every other game on the betting board. Download the ATS app, which you can get from the Google Play Store or from the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database. You can follow me in there, Skating Tripods. Check out the picks from the article, how they've done, and all of that. So you make sure that you download that ATS app because there are a lot of helpful handicapping resources for you there. Once you get it, you sign up. There's a lot of stuff you can do in that app. So make sure you check that out. And also over at the website, check out our other content. I've done some college football stuff here, taking a look at my power ratings, top season win total bets, taking a look at the offensive and defensive coordinators. A lot of good college football content to help you start building a foundation for that, which will start in, I think, a month and six days, something like that, 37 days away from the start of the college football season. So that's coming fast and furious here, to say the least. So make sure you start doing what you can to get prepared. And I think my power ratings over at ATS.io are a really good starting point. Golf preview for the 3M Open, which started here today. UFC preview for this weekend. A lot of good fights on that card for you to check out. Then I got NASCAR previews for you as well. NASCAR not racing here this weekend. They are taking the weekend off, but they will have races throughout August. So keep it tuned in over at ATS.io to check all of that stuff out. All right, so format for today's show, we'll go beyond the box score, go down the lines, give you a pick for tonight's action, and then a preview of the weekend ahead. I am a little bit shorter on time here today, so maybe a little bit quicker of a show, but still just as sweet as always here on the program. Let's go ahead and start with a look beyond the box score. And those post-All-Star break numbers, still very, very high. As of Monday's show, it was a 252 average, 324 on base, 422 slugging. Well, now, as we've added a couple more days of three more days of data to those numbers, still the 252 average on base down a little bit at 321, but slugging up to 435. So at 327 weighted on base average since the all-star break here across the league. And that big uptick in slugging percentage is what I'm really focused on here for today's show. As we know, the strikeout rate is down. The strikeout rate is down quite significantly since that spin rate crackdown took hold uh, with the foreign substances and all of that. So guys are putting a lot more balls in play. But now, not only are guys putting more balls in play, but we're also seeing better fortunes on high-velocity contact and also more carry. Average fly ball distance is up here in the second half. From June 3rd, the time that's, that the second memo was actually sent out, there was a first memo in spring training back in March. Then the memo came out June 3rd. Major League Baseball said, we're going to take this seriously. Then enforcement started on June 21st. But in any event, from June 3rd to July 11th, average fly ball distance, 319 feet. Here in the second half, 321 feet. Could be something, could be nothing. Could be weather factors. It is obviously very hot in the month of July, as we know. And also, too, you know, I talked about this a lot on Monday's show, but it's something that's still very relevant here on Thursday, is that 
We've seen a lot of below average starting pitchers since the all-star break. Guys are hurt. We've had several double headers and all of that. But also just what I've talked about, you know, on the daily article and then also on the shows here in that you've got a lot of pitchers that have pitched on seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 days rest. Shohei Otani pitched on effectively two weeks worth of rest. It's tough to be sharp in those situations. So on the one hand, I look at this and say, okay, offense is probably going to regress back to the mean a little bit as all of these pitchers get back into rhythm. We've got some guys here that are making their second start since the All-Star break in tonight's games. We had a couple of guys doing it last night as well, I believe. So this will be a thing. Guys will start getting back into that rhythm, back into that groove and all of that. With that being said, obviously now we've got, you know, this foreign substance crackdown has fully taken hold. Hitters are striking out a lot less. And we've seen high velocity contact results go up quite significantly. For the full season here, the league batting average on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour is 497 with a 622 weighted on base average. Since the All-Star break, so we've got six days of data from Friday to Wednesday. The batting average is 515 on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour and a weighted on base average of 660. Now, that's obviously quite a significant jump from what we have for the full season numbers. And again, it speaks to this uptick in power, this uptick in offense. I'm not saying that there's been a change to the baseball. I'm not saying that the baseball is different. The sample size is too small. The weather factors, you know, all the things with regards to pitchers going on extended rest and all of that. But when you look at these numbers here, We're seeing more carry in the second half. And that 660 Woba is almost on par with 2019, where we had a 668 weighted on base average. So this is something to watch. I mean, look, when I talked about this on Monday, you know, I did talk about the numbers from June 3rd to July 19th, 247 average, 321 on base, 416 slugging. The slugging percentage is clearly up. And so I'm curious to see if this continues as pitchers get into rhythm or if it regresses back to the mean. And we're going to need some sample size to find out this answer. We're going to need some time to kind of see what's going on with all of this, at least giving it, you know, probably another two weeks time for pitchers to get, you know, two or three starts on regular rest, something like that. But Like I said, I think that weather and the lack of sharpness from pitchers are the two biggest factors. But look, one thing that I did notice here in putting together some notes for today's show is that the fly ball percentage in the first half was 35.7%. The fly ball percentage in the second half, 37.6%. So we're seeing a lot more fly ball contact. We're seeing a return of the launch angle craze and guys trying to actively elevate the baseball. I think part of this could also be that power hitters, guys that generally strike out a lot, aren't striking out as much. You know, we're seeing a lot more contact on batted balls in the zone. Zone contact percentage up 2.1% from the first half to the second half. And again, a lot of this could simply be that pitchers aren't as sharp. They don't have their command down because of these extended breaks, but there could also be more to it than that. You know, the K percentage is down, swinging strike percentage down 0.4%. You 
and swing percentage is up 47.6% in the second half compared to 46.7% in the first half. So guys are swinging more often. Guys are elevating the ball more often. Guys are making more contact in the zone, which is good. You want to hit strikes. You don't want to be putting balls in play that are outside of the hitting zones. So all of these things do suggest that this increase in offense could be sustainable. But again, I want to see what happens here in terms of the pitchers and if they get better as they're making regular turns in the rotation. So we'll see. You know, but I think these are some very interesting numbers on the whole here to talk about on today's show. And I do think that maybe for the next week to 10 days, we do still see a lot of offense. But I think after that point in time, that's when we want to reevaluate, kind of see where these pitchers are making regular turns in the rotation and all of that. And this is something, by the way, to keep in mind for future seasons, that coming out of the all-star break, these pitchers that are going on extended rest probably not going to be as sharp. So I would look for not only an uptick in offense, which could mean overs, but also right after the all-star break, look at the teams that are more tailored towards offense. The teams that have really good offenses are probably going to win a lot of games or just simply looking at fading teams that don't have good offenses. So keep that in mind for future post-all-star break periods where I think this probably, if I looked year over year, is more of the norm than the exception. And maybe I'll try to do that uh, for Monday's show when I got a little bit more time to prep for the program. But that is something that I would consider here is that we probably do see offense rule the day right after the All-Star break because of those long layoffs for pitchers. Whether or not it continues, that's the million-dollar question. And I don't know that yet. We're going to need more sample size to see if maybe the baseball is a little bit different if maybe teams kind of reevaluated some things at the all-star break and told their hitters, look, be aggressive, attack the zone, hit the ball in the air. You know, maybe that's just something that hitters have made an adjustment with here, you know, in this post foreign substance environment. So we'll see, we'll see how all of this continues to play out, but it was a lot of eye-opening data that I found here on today's show. And make sure you email me skatingtripods at gmail.com to get on the list for the betters box show notes real quickly here. A couple of things I wanted to mention before we get into our other segments here. The first is the Rangers, right? So the Rangers lose four to two last night. They've been outscored 47 to five in their six games since the all-star break. And of course, as you would expect, they've lost all of them. They've put 40 balls in play of 95 plus miles per hour. It's one of the lowest numbers in baseball here in the second half but they're only batting 200 on those with a 242 weighted on base average. The next lowest is the Cubs with a 435 average and a 514 Woba. So some fun with sample sizes there where the Rangers are having no luck on their high velocity contact, but they're also not making a lot of it. So that's kind of their own fault. Also the Nationals, their offense, major uptick across the board in high velocity batted balls, only Minnesota has a higher raw number of batted balls of 95-plus miles per hour. So Juan Soto taking off for the Nationals, some of their other hitters swinging it pretty well also. Again, I think that the Nationals are a really interesting team for that NL East future. So that may be something that you want to consider here. As I mentioned, a big uptick in fly ball percentage here in the second half, up from 35.7% to 37.6% 
So it looks like hitters have attempted to make an adjustment. They're trying to elevate the baseball more. And again, like I talked about, fly ball hitters, guys that kind of have that uppercut, stuff like that, they usually just deal with high strikeout percentages. In this current environment, they don't have to deal with that as much because strikeout percentage is down. So I think those guys putting more balls in play does increase this fly ball percentage. But something it got me thinking about here is that maybe in the short term, the the medium term, possibly even the long term, maybe you want to look more at those ground ball guys again. You know, as we know, it's still very difficult to manufacture runs, a lot of runs being scored by the long ball, which is just you know kind of the way it's been for several straight years here. But maybe the ground ball guys are guys that you want to look at here. So the top 10 in ground ball percentage among pitchers that are qualified right now for the ERA title, which I think is like three innings per team game or, or something like that. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is number one. Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins, number two. Luis Castillo from the Reds, number three. Herman Marquez from the Rockies is number four. Wade Miley from the Reds rounds out the top five. Kyle Gibson is sixth, and maybe this is something that does help his trade value if the Rangers look to move him, and they probably should. Marcus Stroman, seventh. Yusei Kikuchi is eighth. Ian Anderson is ninth from the Braves. And then Casey Mize from the Detroit Tigers is 10th. So you may want to look more at the ground ball guys for the reasons that I mentioned previously, uptick in fly ball percentage, uptick in slugging percentage and home runs. And those are guys that typically, generally speaking, a lot of ground ball guys are not high strikeout guys. So in this decreased strikeout environment, those are guys that may be able to have some better fortunes by keeping the ball on the ground. So Keuchel, Alcantara, Castillo, Marquez, Miley, Gibson, Stroman, Kikuchi, Anderson, and Mize, Ian Anderson, that is, are your top 10 among qualified pitchers in ground ball percentage. So maybe ground ball percentage, something that we want to look at a little bit more here until things stabilize, assuming that things do stabilize here for this Major League Baseball season. Again, email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com to get on the list for the betters box show notes the down the line segment's a little bit messy here for today's show because we had a lot of pitching changes uh, nearly part of the week we had double headers and other things going on guys on the bereavement list guys on the covid list guys that are hurt uh, all kinds of different stuff here so you know if you're just looking back at the odds screen kind of looking at the historic odds something like that keep in mind that a lot of it may simply have to do with pitching changes and things of that sort on Tuesday, we saw money come in on the Nationals and Paulo Espino against Trevor Rogers. The market is really soured on Miami here. And it's interesting to me because Miami is a team that, from a base run standpoint, from a Pythagorean win-loss standpoint, one of the unluckiest teams in baseball this season. But, you know, right now they've got Pablo Lopez is hurt, Alcantara's on the uh, bereavement list. You know, they've got some other guys that are banged up and all of that. A, a lot of flux in that rotation uh, for that Marlins team. So the market really souring on them offensively. They're still terrible. So, you know, maybe not the biggest of surprises, but even seeing money come in against Rogers was pretty telling there on Tuesday. We saw a lower total with John Means and Shane McClanahan on Tuesday. That's the Rays and the Orioles. And that was a total that came down from eight to seven and a half with John Means coming back off the IL. But John Means was not going to work deep into that game. And it makes me wonder here, 
you know, the modeling crowd, the market shapers, the guys that take the, the quantitative perspective and then bet the overnights based on their numbers and their projections and all of that, it almost feels to me like they're not necessarily considering the low innings outputs for these starters. Means was not going to work six innings. He was not going to work into the sixth or anything like that. And the Orioles bullpen is terrible. And the Orioles bullpen did falter late in that game, did wind up helping that one get comfortably over the total. But this is something I think you want to pay attention to. I've seen this quite a bit where totals have gone down in games with a good expectation for the starting pitcher, but the starting pitcher wasn't going to work deep into the game. So that's something I think you want to consider here as we go forward, especially because bullpens on the whole are going to be less effective with this foreign substance crackdown because those are guys that used a lot of them. You know, they use a lot of them not only to help with the spin on their stuff, but they have limited arsenals. So they kind of need every advantage that they can get. And also, too, gripping the baseball. You know, you're pitching back to back days, three out of four days, all of that. That puts a significant strain on your arm. And, you know, the relievers are just not nearly as effective here since all of these crackdowns started taking place. And I don't know if that's being properly accounted for right now in the totals betting market. Tuesday, we saw Tarek Skubal money come in and make the Tigers a clear favorite against Dane Dunning and the Rangers. A lot of Rangers fades going forward here, I would anticipate, especially because if and when Joey Gallo gets traded, that offensive projection is exceptionally low. So I would expect to see a lot of Rangers fades going forward. And in fact, we see another one here today with Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Tiger, or Tyler Alexander, excuse me, on the mound for the Tigers against Mike fulton Very heavy Astros money on Tuesday. That was Luis Garcia and Tristan McKenzie. The Indians are still very, very scrappy, man. I give them credit. That was a very tough road trip for them, uh, but they did pretty well on it overall. McKenzie's profile is ugly, though. The market hates guys with high walk rates. He's got a very high walk rate. So not a big surprise to see the Astros money there and wouldn't be a big surprise to see money against McKenzie as we go forward here until that Indians rotation gets back to decent health. Very heavy twins money on Tuesday. That was Bailey Ober and Dallas Keuchel, and the White Sox did win that game. Like I said, I think ground ball guys are in decent shape right now, given the run environment, given what's happening around Major League Baseball. So we're still going to see a lot of heavy Keuchel fades, but I don't know if that's the best idea going forward here. So I think maybe betting on Keuchel when the market kind of has its say and you can get Keuchel at a buy point when that line goes all the way down, that might not be a bad idea. And it wasn't a bad idea for betters on Tuesday. I considered it, didn't do it, but I did think about it there with that 35 cent line move. Just wouldn't expect the line to be that far off, uh, you know, with the White Sox against the Twins. And it wound up that, you know, my thought process was correct. I just didn't play that game. Wednesday, we saw Marcus Stroman money against the Reds and Jeff Hoffman. Not really surprised to see a fade of Jeff Hoffman as he was coming off the I.L. Stroman is a guy that the market has been fading in spots. High ground ball percentage guy, which could help him. But, you know, you look at his XERA, you look at his XWOBA and all of that, does show a lot of regression signs in that profile. But the biggest takeaway to me from Wednesday is there continues to be a lot of anti-red sentiment in the marketplace. The Brewers took money in almost every game against them after the All-Star break. And then we've seen a lot of Mets money here as well. Not a lot of believers in the Reds. Their pitching staff is bad. Their offense has leveled off quite a bit. 
Uh, they got a big series coming up here this weekend against the Cardinals, but you know, the Reds just not a team held in high regard right now for a lot of people out there in the betting markets. Saw some heavy steam on Adam Wainwright last night against Kyle Hendricks and the Cubs. Had the under in that one. That came through very, very easily. Wainwright and the Cardinals, a winner in extra innings. But that was a very big line move where Kyle Hendricks, who's been great over his last 13 starts, uh, opened a small favorite in that game. Cardinals wound up closing in the minus 130 range. Did get the win, uh, but the under was the uh, less sweaty of the bets there. We saw early money on Logan Webb and the Giants yesterday, but then we saw late buyback on Julio Urias and the Dodgers. Dodgers in position to win that one. Kenley Jansen blows the save in the ninth. Giants win four to two. Um, Like I said, you know, I I think the Giants have been disrespected a little bit in this series, at least to this point, but hold on to that thought for a couple minutes here. We saw very heavy money on Dylan Cease in yesterday's game against the Twins. That was with Michael Pineda on the other side for Minnesota. Not to say that I wanted to bet Minnesota in that game, but I thought that line was getting a little bit out of control because Dylan Cease has not pitched well since the start of June. A guy with a really big spin rate decrease, the Twins, a good offensive ball club. They've got a lot of problems otherwise, but you know they are a lineup capable of hitting a guy like Dylan Cease, and they did score seven runs in that game. Coast to the 7-2 to victory. Cease is a guy where I don't think his numbers tell the full story. So that's a guy that I have been trying to fade a little bit here and there. Didn't do it yesterday because I didn't trust the Twins, but that was one where the market was all over the White Sox and it backfired on him. Brad Keller, a fade of him in that Royals-Brewers game yesterday to back Eric Lauer. The reality is that Eric Lauer probably shouldn't be that big of a favorite against anybody, and the Royals actually swept that two-game series against the Brewers. And interesting results there. You know, I thought that Tuesday was a good opportunity to bet the Royals, and it did wind up being one with the Bucks in that championship game. Maybe the Brewers kind of out late together, sort of celebrating that win. Kind of a flat effort on Wednesday as well. I would expect them to get back to business now this weekend, but, you know, uh, they lost a couple of favorite prices there to the Royals. Also, another big favorite, losing. A favorite that took some money, losing yesterday. In that Red Sox-Blue Jays game with Garrett Richards and Robbie Ray, look, yeah, Garrett Richards sucks. I I totally get that, especially with the spin rate crackdown. But Robbie Ray was facing a really good Boston lineup in a very good hitter's park as a guy that throws a lot of fastballs and gives up a lot of hard contact. I understand the thought process behind the move, but man, I mean, you know, when you get a really good offensive team at a big underdog price, I think you've got to consider it. And that's kind of been my thought process early in the series here with the Giants. But it is something that I do think, you know, long-term, betting on good offenses at big underdog prices probably has a decent ROI for you. And that was the case with that Red Sox and Jays game there on Wednesday. A lot of action in the betting markets here on Thursday. Seeing another Matt Moore fade. That's the Braves and the Phillies in that one. Charlie Morton getting the ball for the Braves, big series for both teams. I'll talk about that in a minute. Modest Cubs interest, it looks like a little bit, with Adbert Alzale and Kwang Hyung Kim in the series finale at Bush Stadium. Also seeing over money in that game, which is a little bit of a surprise to me. I actually like the Cardinals in that one. Did play the Cardinals. You can read about that over at ATS.io. Walker Bueller and the Dodgers today. I think this line goes up as we go throughout the day here. Anthony DiSclefani, First of all, there's a narrative out there that he can't pitch against the Dodgers. 
three lackluster starts against them this season. That will impact the line. Also, Di Scafani is just an overall regression candidate, I think. He's pitched very well. I'm glad he's been able to stay healthy. But his ERA is a full run lower than his FIP. He ranks, I think, 12th in Woba minus X Woba on the negative regression side. There are some regression signs in the profile for him. I do like the Dodgers. I did lay the number here today uh, on the Dodgers in that one. The Rays are taking money against the Indians. Also, the Red Sox taking money today against the Yankees. So the top two teams in the AL East, both getting bet up a little bit in the marketplace here for today. Another game that I'm on is the over in Minnesota. It's gone up from nine to nine and a half. That's Andrew Heaney and Kenta Maeda in that one. But I think that we've got good opportunity for some runs. The Twins offense is very good. Those two bullpens are poor, both starters with some command issues this season. Uh, So I do like the over in that Angels and Twins game. And lastly, here from a down the line standpoint, A's and the Mariners. Seeing A's money and under money in that game tonight with Sean Manaya and Chris Flexen. Flexen, massive home road splits. I wrote about that over at ATS.io. And Sean Manaya is pitching very well this year. It was a game that was kind of on my radar, but with the two moves, uh, just losing some line equity there in those two games. All right, let's preview four series for the weekend ahead, beginning with. The Braves and the Phillies. Charlie Morton, Matt Moore tonight. Max Freed and Zach Wheeler tomorrow. Drew Smiley and Vince Velasquez on Saturday. Tuki Toussaint coming off of a great start against the Padres. And Aaron Nola on Sunday. This is a massive series both ways. Two game swings in each of these games. The Mets do look vulnerable with the DeGrom and Lindor injuries. I think this is a big series for the Braves, especially to determine if they're going to be buyers or sellers. Obviously, their outlook, their projection changed quite a bit with that Ronald Acuna Jr. injury. They've been a buyer so far. They've picked up Stephen Vogt and Jock Peterson. But, you know, Charlie Morton's a free agent. Freddie Freeman is a free agent. Some of their relievers are free agents as well. They may shift gears and wind up being a seller here. They could turn around and trade Jock Peterson as well. So, I guess it's a big series for them, big four-game series with the two-game swings in all of them to determine kind of where they stand here. Charlie Morton's taking money today, as I mentioned, but I like Zach Wheeler tomorrow. Wheeler, 11th in ground ball percentage among qualified pitchers. I just talked about how I think ground ball guys are in good shape here. Big home road splits for Atlanta offensively. The Phillies are a top 10 offense against lefties, so gives you a little bit of a preview, a look ahead to a game that'll probably be on my card for tomorrow looking to take the Phillies over the Braves in that Zach Wheeler and Max Freed matchup. Yankees and the Red Sox here. Amazingly, Sunday's game is not on Sunday Night Baseball, which is a good thing, I think. You got Jordan Montgomery and Tanner Houck tonight. Garrett Cole, Eduardo Rodriguez on Friday. Jamison Taya, Nate Yavaldi Saturday. And Domingo Herman and Martin Perez on Sunday. Nobody wants to see that on Sunday Night Baseball. Curious to see what happens with the line movement in this series. You know, so far, we've seen Red Sox money tonight. I think we probably see Eduardo Rodriguez money tomorrow. I think Garrett Cole probably opens a little bit higher than he should. So we probably see Red Sox money Saturday. I know we will, on, or on a Friday, excuse me. I know we will on Saturday with Nate Uvalde on the mound. We'll see over money for Herman and Perez on Sunday. So we've seen a lot of Yankees love, a lot of Yankees steam in the betting market. I don't think we get that in this series here this weekend. I think the Red Sox take money. They're taking it today already. 
I'd expect them to take money on Saturday and Sunday here. Uh, not so sure, or, excuse me, Friday and Saturday. Not so sure about Sunday, but on Friday and Saturday, I do expect to see some Red Sox money end up hitting the board there. Cardinals and the Reds, another series with some two-game swings here. Wade LeBlanc and Tyler Mayle on Friday. Uh, I think it's John Woodford and Luis Castillo on Saturday. Johan Oviedo and Sonny Gray on Sunday. Look, this is a must-win series for the Reds. The Reds have to right the ship here. And everything is set up for them to do exactly that. All three pitching matchups are in their favor. They've got those home splits with the power. The Cardinals are a bad offense and a singles offense. The Cardinals do not hit for power. The Reds do. So with the Reds at home, favored in all three games with good pitching matchups for them, I've got to like a Red series price here. Obviously, we won't see one until tomorrow morning. Thinking it's probably in the 155 to 160 range for Cincinnati, but I do like all three pitching matchups for them. I don't know if we'll have any line equity to bet on them in any of these three games, but I do think the stage is set for them to have a really good series. I also think that it is essential that they have to play well in these games here against St. Louis. Lastly, man, break out the candles and the Jurgens. Put on the Kenny G or the Michael Bolton or whatever other kind of smooth jazz you want because we're going to have some sensual baseball here this weekend between the White Sox and the Brewers. These three pitching matchups are just insanity. I mean, you could not ask for better pitching matchups here in this series between the Brewers and the White Sox. And you know what, man? I Everybody loves home runs, chicks dig the long ball, so on and so forth. But give me pitcher's duels like what we might see in this series. Lucas Giolito and Freddie Peralta on Friday. Carlos Rodon and Corbin Burns on Saturday. Lance Lynn and Brandon Woodruff on Sunday. I mean, it does not get any better than that for those three pitching matchups. Exceptional. Just outstanding. I mean, you got... Four, four Cy Young Award candidates in the two games on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Now, we'll see what these totals look like. I think that'll be very interesting, especially because you have a White Sox offense that is really good, and you've got a Brewers offense that's been really good of late. So I'll be real interested to see what these lines look like. I don't know if I'll play anything in this series, but it should be a whole lot of fun. The one thing I think is interesting to mention here you know, the limited White Sox lineup that's already missing Grandal and Madrigal and Robert and Jimenez, some other guys, Jake Lamb, uh, you know, look, they don't have a DH in this series. This series is in Milwaukee. So the White Sox, who are already kind of running out a limited lineup, don't have the DH. So you run the risk now of putting out a subpar defensive lineup because you're trying to get as many bats as possible into the order so that could be the difference there so very good series three outstanding pitching matchups should be a lot of fun there uh in beer town coming up this weekend make sure you email me skating tripods at gmail.com to get on the list for the betters box show notes that'll do it for me thank you so much for listening everybody have a happy healthy smart safe weekend i will talk to you again on monday and remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box